Hello, and welcome to the Word Experience Podcast, where the Word of God is experienced in a fresh new way. Prepare yourself to hear God's Word talk with simplicity and understanding. And now, here's your host, Cliff Goldberg. What it do, fam? What it do? Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Word Experience Podcast, where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. I am your host, Cliff Gober. Man, have I got a show for you today. I know I say that all the time, but all the time. It's a great show. It's a great show. So glad you're with us. Let's start it off with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for all you continue to do in us, all you continue to do through us. Uh, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for favoring us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your patience with us, oh God. Thank you, God, for never turning your back on us. And thank you for loving us unconditionally with no strings attached. We appreciate you so much. And we just endeavor to do everything we can to show our appreciation by living a life that honors you. So people can see you in us and that we can give you, give them you through us. Now, God, as we prepare to uh, receive this word today, we just declare that every ear is anointed to hear, that my mouth is anointed to speak only what you would have your people uh, hear, and uh, every heart is open to receive. We declare that the Holy Spirit will have reign in this time of fellowship and sharing and teaching, and that you give people the word behind the word, Holy Spirit. You have free reign to operate in this podcast as we go forth. We thank you and we honor you and we praise you, O oh God, for all you continue to do. We declare these things to be so in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. 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 <laughs> One of my business partners, when we, uh, we exchange uh, uh, scriptures every morning, Two of my partners, they text scriptures to all three of us, and, and uh, we answer by saying amen. One of my partners, he's got to give three amens. He's got to throw three amens in there. So that's for, that's for my boy Dre. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> all right, glad you could be with us today. Like I said, we got a great show. The last episode we had in our podcast, we talked about the love walk. We talked about love, and we started in the first part of the love walk or the aspect of love. And uh, I called it loving from top to bottom. And uh, essentially what we talked about, if you didn't, if you missed the last podcast, we talked about God's love for mankind. Now, I'm not going to get into it because it was too deep. Uh, I almost started shouting on my own podcast. <laughs> it was that good. So if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Today, we're going to get into what I call love from side to side. And this is about loving people. And it's about loving people God's way, loving people God's way. Now, as I did allude to in the last podcast, when we hear this word love, it's been so diluted and watered down and, and emotionalized that we oftentimes miss exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about godly love. All right. Uh, I think I used the word agape. That's the word that's used in the Greek. And essentially, it means love that has no conditions. It's fondness, uh, caring for, but it's not based on any any conditions. It's just the essence of what God is, the essence of who God is. God is love. And we are his people. And so we should love people the way God loves people. Now, understandably, that's not always easy. But, but, but living a godly lifestyle was not designed to be lived without God. 
You can't do the things that God is asking us to do without his help, without his spiritual resources, without help from heaven to help us accomplish the thing. And it's not enough to say, well, I'm not a godly person and, you know, that's not really me and it's hard for me to love people because nobody loves me. And Okay, that all may be true, but God's not asking you to love people based on our own strength, based on your own strength, based on your own ability, based on your own experiences, okay? There is an ability for godly people to love people God's way, and they've never even seen the model of it except how God has loved them. And if we're going to love people God's way, I think that's the first step, understanding how God loves us and then using that as a model and an example of how to love godly people. Now, I've been blessed to have some amazing people in my life, whether it's my parents or my coaches or my teachers, uh, people at church growing up, people at the church that I go to now as an adult here in Los Angeles that really, really, really uh, are, are really good at showing love to people showing godly love. And so I have had the chance, the, the, the opportunity to learn how to really love people the way God loves people. But the ultimate uh, model that I have used is how God loves me, how God is patient with me, how God is tolerant with me. I use that as a model in being patient with people and being tolerant with people. And we're going to get into some of that later uh, as we get into the podcast. Um, so just setting things up, letting you guys know where we're going. One of my sisters at church, uh, one of my big sisters, she's, she always talks about because God has given us so much that we have no excuse. And, um, you know, it's real. We have no excuse to not be able to love people other than we've not been taught what it means to really love people God's way. And that's why the Word Experience podcast is here, where we can experience the Word in a fresh new way, where love is concerned. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> All right, so let's get at it. Loving people God's way. Now, along with faith, trust, and obedience, this is just, this is just your boy's opinion. Along with faith, trust, and obedience, the love walk is probably one of the most important characteristics of the believer. It's, it's really, really important. And unfortunately, it's gotten lost among a whole lot of religious fervor, uh, a whole lot of charismatic movements, um, a whole lot of uh, supernatural or spectacular uh, aspects of, of the kingdom of God. I think we've lost one of these basic tenets, which is loving people. And so if we can get back to that, a lot of the other things, a lot of the other spiritual gifts, a lot of the other uh, charismatic things, they will have more value because they're coming from a place of love. Okay, I'm almost getting ahead of myself. So let me let me downshift, bring it down and lay out. Uh, I got all these notes. So let me just follow these notes that I've got here. All right. So let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to go to verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Um, if this is your first listen to the podcast, hey, welcome to the family. It's growing and growing every week. So we're glad you're a part of it. Um, we do a lot of Bible reading at the Word Experience Podcast. Where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. Well, you can't experience the Word if you're not reading the Word, right? So uh, we're going to do quite a few scriptures. So if you're taking notes... Uh, do what you need to do. Um, 
I was just at church today and I was speaking with one of my sisters who listened to one of the, uh, the first podcast and um <laughs> she was like, I'm not writing anything down. I'm not taking any notes. I'm just listening. So if all you're doing is listening, he that has an ear, let him hear. I'm, I ain't mad at nobody. All right. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Now, in the entire chapter of first Corinthians chapter 12, in the entire chapter, Paul breaks down uh, uh, a list and a talking and a teaching about spiritual gifts. And he spends the entire chapter of the letter breaking down and talking about spiritual gifts. And then he gets to the end of the chapter. After laying out all of this stuff about spiritual gifts, he gets to the end of the chapter in verse 31 and he says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. So, so he talks about spiritual gifts because I guess in the Corinthian church, a lot of spiritual gifts had broken out and people didn't know how to use them and they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a, a, a structure and an order and an understanding. And so I guess they, they asked him about it and he broke it down. But now he gets to the end of all of that and goes, you know, spiritual gifts are great, but there is something that is more excellent than spiritual gifts. The Amplified translation of the last part of verse 31, he says, And yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. So where, whether it's speaking in tongues, whether it's miracles, whether it's all of the things that he broke down in 1 Corinthians 12, which are all awesome and they're great. Paul is saying that, that love is by far and the highest of all of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives out. Love. It's the highest and it is, it, it is the better and it is by far the highest of all spiritual gifts. This is the thing that's higher than speaking in tongues. This is the thing that's higher than raising people from the dead. This is the thing that's higher than having a gift of healing. Love is higher than all of those things. I would venture to say it's because it is the perfect reflection of who God is. Love. God is not spiritual gifts as much as God is love. And out of his love comes the spiritual gifts. Right. So so now we're going to dive into the thing that is most important. And and Paul, you know, <laughs> Paul could write with a little bit of with a little bit of attitude in his in his writings. And uh, here he talks about going into first Corinthians 13 and one, uh, looking at verses one through three. He gets a little, you know, uh, I don't know. He gets a little got a little edge to him here. So let's read it. First Corinthians 13. Verses 1 through 3. Verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profit, profits me nothing. All right. Now, this is so important. I'm going to read this out of two, diff, two other uh, translations so we can really, 
Well, I'll read it out of uh, the message translation so we can really get a sense of what he's talking about here. All right, the message translation, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3 says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, check this, I'm bankrupt without love. No matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Now look at all of the things that are being done. Speaking the word with power. Speaking with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy. Revealing all of the mysteries of God. Giving all I own to the poor. Going to the stake to be burned. I'm doing all of that stuff, but I'm not doing it from a place of love. God says it has no spiritual value. None. Because love is not the motivating factor of why we do what we do. See, these are all great things to do, but the motivation is not the right motivation. And it's no good to do the right thing if you're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. There's no spiritual value in that. Okay? So we have to do the right thing for the right reasons. And then... I would venture to say God gets involved and, and the results are greater than, than who we are. The results are greater because God now is in, the, is in the picture. God is in the middle of the thing. And when God gets in the middle of the thing because it's done out of love, the results are going to be greater than we could have ever imagined. This takes me back to uh, the scripture when Jesus talks about people coming to him in that day, they will come to me and say, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? And he will see. And he said in that day, I will say to them, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, I, I contend. Now, this is just out of the book of Cliff, so don't don't run, tell nobody. But I contend that he's saying, depart from me, I never knew you, because all of the things that they did, they did not do them out of love. And if you do great things out of, out with the wrong motivation without love, it has no value. What does he say? I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. Uh, if I don't love, I'm nothing. If I don't love, I've got nowhere. I'm bankrupt without love. Okay? So, so there's no profit in it. There, there's nothing in it. It's empty. It's empty. Imagine having all faith to be able to move mountains, but no love behind it. Who are you moving the mountains for? And why are you moving the mountains? You're able to speak all kind of languages and interpret heavenly languages and, and do all of these amazing things. Who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? What's your motivation behind it? You're healing the sick. You're raising the dead. But there's no love behind it. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it for a paycheck? Are you doing it for fame? 
Because if you're not doing it for love, it's not going to have any value from God's perspective. Now, people might cheer you and people might come to your conferences and people might want to sit at your feet. But if there's no love behind it, and, and, and yeah, I, I'll say that, Lord. Eventually, if there's no love behind it, people, it's not, it, it, it's going to lose its value. It's going to lose its value because there'll be no connection between you and the people. And eventually it loses its value. Eventually they stop coming around or you got to start doing all of these other, you know, spiritual acrobatics to get people to come to your church or get people to come to your ministry or get people to come to your Bible study. I'm talking to ministers now. OK, why do you do what you do? And, and, and some of you, if you're listening, you may have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself the hard question. Are you doing what you do out of love for people? Or are you doing what you do because you fourth generation preacher and everybody expects you to go into the ministry? We were in our Sunday school class this morning. We were talking about being called, right? And, and, and in the Sunday school quarterly, it talked about that ministry is a calling. It's not a profession. It's not something you say, when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. It's a calling. And, and when it's a calling now, the love of God I believe, gets inserted into the minister to have a love for the people and see the people the way God sees the people so then they can minister to the people from a place of love. And even if they can't interpret 19 tongues, if they can interpret one and it comes from a place of love, many people are going to be blessed by that. All right? So, you know, in the old days, we would say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> But it's really important, man, that, that spiritual gifts are great, but love, spiritual gifts without love, it, it, it has no value. Spiritual gifts without love have no value, okay? All right, now, this aspect of loving people, uh, the value of it, the importance of it, right? We want to look at a few things uh, so we can understand why having a love walk, having a good love walk is so important. The first thing is it identifies us as Jesus's disciples, Jesus's followers, Jesus's learners. Uh, I learned that in Sunday school today. The disciple breaks down as learner. Okay. Um, um, this is how we are identified. This is how we're supposed to be identified from Jesus's perspective. So let's look at the, the, uh, the scripture on that. Let's go to John 13, Verse 35, John 13, verse 35, John 13, verse 35, verse 35 says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, we got all of these quote-unquote ways that we identify people as Christians, what church they go to, what denomination they belong to, how they dress on Sunday, if they don't do this or if they don't do that, you know, all of these things. we got this church language and this church lingo that's been developed over the decades. You know, how you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, all of that stuff that's been used to, to quote-unquote identify us as followers of Jesus. But Jesus says, here's the one thing that's supposed to identify us as followers of him. And it is that we love one another. 
that we agape one another. It's our ID badge. My church affiliation is cool. But if I got a certain church affiliation, but I'm not loving people in that church. Ah. And how many times have we been in situations around non-believers, whether it's a work situation or a family situations or saint situation. And you hear somebody mention this phrase. And I thought you was a Christian. Or, or and you said you were. Didn't you say you was a Christian? I thought you were a Christian. How many times have we heard that? And how many times have we been convicted by that, get defensive about it, and say, well, I am, but they did such and such and such and such. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We are supposed to be identified as followers of Jesus based on how we love one another. Now, now I hear some of you right now saying, yeah, but I don't know really how, I don't know how to love. That's all right. Cool. Stay with me today. I'm going, we're going to break it down. It's going to be great. By the end of the podcast, you'll be like, okay, that's how we do it. Okay. Then it's on you with the help of the Holy Spirit to help you walk that thing out and practice how to love. What do you mean practice how to love? You got to practice. You got to practice. It's like Alan Iverson. We talking practice, man. <laughs> you got to practice how to love people. There's some folks that's crazy out there, right? And you still got to love them. That's going to take some practice. All right? All right. So love is our ID badge. By loving one another, we are identified as Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples, Jesus' learners. All right? Now, the other thing is the commandment has been given to love. Right, right before uh, John 13, 35, if we step right up above it to John 13, 34, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. Love one another. Now, here's the first clue in how we're supposed to love one another in the end of that verse. He says, as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. So the way Jesus, and he's talking to the 12 here, the way Jesus loved the 12 is the example that he says you use now to love other people, to love one another, to love all, you know, because it's going to get a little deep when I leave, right? So you guys are going to have to love one another. And, and when you forget or you don't think, of, if you're not uh, certain how to love, think about the way I loved you and use that as a model to love one another. So Peter and John, you know, they might be going back and forth. They think about what Jesus did and how he loved them. All right, man, we cool? Yeah, we cool. My dad, my bad, dog. Okay, we good. We good. All right, we good. Right? Remembering how Jesus loved us. I'm going to trans translate it now to us. Remembering how Jesus loved us is the model that we are to use to love one another. A new commandment. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute, so I'm not going to talk about it right now. A new commandment, right? We know we, we, we're, we're familiar with the Ten Commandments. I heard a man of God call it the Big Ten. <laughs> the Ten Commandments, right? And, and, and because these guys were Jewish, they were familiar with the Ten Commandments that were found in the Law of Moses. Okay, so when he says new commandment, they've got in mind the big 10. And he says, I got a new one for you. Love one another. The way I loved you, that's how you guys love one another. All right. And uh, it's repeated again. If we go to John 15 and 12, John 15 and 12, again, echoes. This is my commandment that you love one another 
as I have loved you. Now, anytime somebody in authority says something to me twice, especially I need to pay attention to that, right? And so Jesus twice now says, this is, I give you a new commandment, and then I'm repeating, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This is really important. We talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, that Paul says love is higher than any spiritual gift. And, and, and you know, love has gotten left behind because it hasn't been defined properly. It hasn't been put in its proper place it doesn't have the value that God has for it, but we're going to put that thing back. We're going to reinsert it into our lives, and we're going to be people of love. And they might be able to say a whole bunch of other stuff about us, but they won't be able to say we don't love each other. They won't be able to say, man, them, them, them folks care about each other, man. Yeah, I want to join that church. Look at, look at how they love each other. Look at how they love each other. When, when, when um, uh, Lazarus died, and Jesus showed up, you know, four days after he had died. And, and the scripture says Jesus wept. And, and the people were watching Jesus weep. And they said, look at how much he loved them, loved him. Right? There was an expression of love that came from his weeping. That's what people need to see from us. They need to see us loving one another. Loving one another. You know, I'm just trying to figure out if I should go there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, yeah. You know, all families have issues. All families have stuff. All families have, you know, whatever that they have. And, and, and families are great. And, and uh, you know, everybody's got something in a family, which is fine. But one of the things, uh, one of the things I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of watching brothers and sisters fight and fuss and argue. I'm not a big fan of that. I got three brothers and 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 they're all three married and so their their wives are now my sisters and uh, we just have a wonderful time. And yeah, we have disagreements and we have stuff that we got to figure out and all of those things. But man, what? When we go out and we hang together, it is the most enjoyable time. Ain't nobody fussing and fighting and arguing. And then if somebody wants to come from the outside and, and argue with somebody else, now everybody comes together. That's not how it's supposed to be, man. That's It's supposed to be togetherness when everything is great. Togetherness when everything is challenging. Togetherness when people from the outside come at us. And togetherness when everybody's leaving us alone. That's what family is supposed to be from my perspective. Right. And this is what Jesus is talking about. We can't be fighting and arguing and bickering in the church. And then from somebody from outside the church wants to attack us, then we want to come together. No, we should be together on a regular basis. But it's going to take the power of God to help us do that. And we have to have a purpose. We have to purpose in our hearts to love people. And I know it can be challenging and I know it can be difficult, but God wouldn't ask us to do something and not give us the resources to be able to do it. So let's just set the bar at loving people and trusting God to help us get to that place where we can love people the way Jesus loved us. Amen. All right. So we, we're, we're looking at this thing where Jesus says, as I loved you, you love one another. So the question would be then, how did Jesus love us? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let's stay in John 
And let's go to John 15, verse 13. And Jesus does lay out an example of how he loves. All right, John 15 and 13. John 15 and 13, and this is a, a relatively familiar passage of Scripture. It says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so, again, he kind of gives a clue as to how we are supposed to love one another. It's a, it's a love that says, I'm going to sacrifice my stuff for your stuff. Now, on the surface, that seems like a one-sided deal, but it's not because the other person will sacrifice their stuff for my stuff. And that's how it goes. The Living Bible says, and here's how to measure it. He's talking about love. The greatest love is shown when a person lays down his life for his friends. Now, he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about Someone when your best friend calls you at two o'clock in the morning and they got nobody else to talk to and you got to get up in three hours and you got a heavy, heavy day. But if they don't talk to you, you know, it could go pretty bad for them. And you're the only person there and it's two in the morning. What are you going to do? Are you going to pick up the phone or are you going to just let voicemail take it? Right. And you know, if it's two o'clock in the morning and, you know, everybody's got caller ID now, so you know who it is. And you know, if it's two o'clock in the morning, and they're calling it's probably something important. But you got an early, you got an early day and you got a long day. OK, laying down your life for your friend by picking up the phone and taking the call. Now, now you may go, hey, man, you know what time it is? <laughs> Friends can do that to one another. And the friend may go, man, I'm sorry. I know it's so late, man. I just got to talk to you. I, I, I ain't got nobody else to talk to. I'm sorry for calling so late. Okay, man, what's up? Man, I got this thing. And blah, 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 blah. And there you go. You've laid down your life for your friend. And he says, that's the greatest love to show. That you put your agenda aside for somebody else's agenda, for your friend's agenda. You put your agenda aside to deal with, contend with, to help out someone else. I, I, I have an awesome Sunday school teacher. And um, I've, I've kind of made it a, a decision not to mention names on the podcast just because, I don't know. But I have an awesome Sunday school teacher. And for those of you who know me and you know who my Sunday school teacher is, you know how awesome she is, right? All right, I got an awesome Sunday school teacher. And, and uh, at my church... Between services, we have a place called the Crystal Room, and we serve breakfast uh, between the 8 o'clock and the 11 o'clock service, and then we serve lunch slash dinner after the 11 o'clock service. And so my Sunday school teacher was teaching, taught an awesome lesson today, awesome lesson today, right? And so I go over to the Crystal Room to have breakfast. I look behind the counter where the people are serving the food. Here comes my Sunday school teacher with an apron on. Now, she doesn't work like that on a regular basis. And I don't know why she got behind the counter, but here she was after teaching for two hours. Here she is now helping serve people have dinner, uh, have breakfast, uh, 15 minutes after she's been teaching. Who does that? And she's got two doctorate degrees, one honorary degree and one earned degree. She's a doctor doctor, and she's back there behind the counter serving folks grits and eggs and waffles. 
laying down her life for a friend. Now, now listen, I've taught Sunday school classes. I've taught Bible study classes. And at the end of those classes, all I want to do is hit my bed and not talk to nobody. And so I know what it's like to do what she just did and then turn around and go and serve people. Uh, that knocks me out, man. That, that, that just knocks me out. And it is an example of one person laying down their life for others. It's an awesome example of love. It's an awesome example of love. All right. And then we're going to back that up with Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 2, Ephesians 5, verse 2. We're talking about how did Jesus love us? And what's the example that he laid out that we can follow to love other people? All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us, here it is, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. He gave himself for us. In our last podcast, we mentioned John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? He gave himself for us. He offered himself up for us. Amen. And so that's what we do. We offer ourselves up for other people. Now, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I don't want nobody taking advantage of me. This is not about that. This is not about people taking advantage of you. Obviously, you want to use wisdom. If you're around takers, then you got to love takers in a different manner. But you still got to love takers. You just can't allow them to take from you till you exhaust your own thing. Okay, so it's not about being taken advantage of. We can't be afraid of being taken advantage of. And that's going to be our reason as to why we don't love people, why we don't sacrifice for people. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Not going to have not going to work. It's not going to fly. I heard old military guy said that dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> we got to love people, man. Maybe you got to love them from a distance. Maybe you got to love them from across the street. Maybe you got to love them from the next town, <laughs> you know, because you may have to love people from a certain distance. And and here's what's cool. In your relationship with God, in your time spent with God, in your quiet time, in your prayer time, in your prayer closet time with God, he will show you how to love people the way they need to be loved. If they need to be loved from a distance because that type of sacrificial love does damage to you because they don't know how to receive it properly, he'll show you how to love them from a distance. But you still got to love them. There are people that I work with, man. I got to love them from a distance. But I still got to love them. I can't go off on them. I can't be nasty to them. I can't be rude to them because they have a certain personality or they, they've done certain things. I can't do that. I'm bound by this thing called love. And in those times when it's challenging to love people, I just go to dad. Father, you got to help me. You got to help me. You got to help me. Help me show, show me how to love these people because I know I need to do it. And I don't want to come outside of this. And it dishonors you if I go off or I cuss somebody out or blah, 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 blah. So you, you got to help me. You got to help me. And he does. He does. Sometimes he just says, son, be quiet. Don't say anything. Or he might say, son, this is not your business. This has nothing to do with you. Don't make it your business. 
And that's the way I can love that person by not making something that has nothing to do with me, not making it my business. And when I don't make it my business, it's easier to uh, give a certain level of sacrifice. Here's the sacrifice. I want it to be my business because <laughs> I want to I want to go off on somebody. Nope, can't do that. I'm going to sacrifice my emotions and allow things to be what they need to be and love that person in a manner that God wants me to love them and in the manner that they need to be loved from that particular perspective. Amen? All right. The message translation for Ephesians 5 and 2 says, Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Wow. Wow. God, Christ's love, Jesus' love was not cautious. Jesus' love was extravagant. Jesus didn't love us in order to get something from us. Jesus loved us to give something to us, right? That's the model of love. The model of love is not to do something to get something from somebody. See, if I do this, if I show love to them, then I can get that contract. If I show love to them, maybe I can get to go where they go. I can get into the VIP section. If I show love to them, maybe they'll talk to their friend about getting me that job. Mm -mm. If I show love to them, then maybe they'll, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's not it. Again, Right thing for the wrong motivation, for the wrong reasons, all right? This is not about me getting something from that person. This is about me giving something to that person. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my attention. I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you my resources. I'm giving you my wisdom. I'm giving you my experience. I'm giving you these things, not because I can get something from you. It's just I want to give something to you. That's the model of love. The model of love that says, I don't want anything from you. I just want to give something to you. That's the model of love. That's the model of love. Or years, years ago, they had the reality show, The Flavor of Love. That's the flavor of love. To give something to give something to somebody without expecting anything in return. I'm not doing it to get something from you. I'm not doing this to call favor from you. I'm not doing this so I can get a promotion. I'm doing this because that's who I am. I want to give something to you. That's the flavor of love. I like that. The flavor of love. I like that. All right. Now, check this out. Uh, we're in Ephesians. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to Ephesians chapter five, verses 25 and 26. And I want to put a nail in this coffin of how Jesus loved us. Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. Now, this is a section of scripture that's usually spoken about where marriage is concerned with husbands and wives. But I want to look at this. Because it goes right back to um, how Jesus loved us, right? So Ephesians 5, uh, 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, here we go, and gave himself for her. 
This is how Christ loved the church. He gave himself. Now, people think, you know, and you're not wrong, that the giving of himself was his sacrifice on the cross. And that's part of it. But he gave himself in ministry. There was one uh, uh, place in the scriptures, uh, in the gospels, Jesus had just preached and he was tired. He was tired, man, and he was going to go off on his own and just kind of catch his breath and, you know, get a little R&R &R and, and take a step back because he had just been ministering. He was tired, but the people kept crowding him, and they kept crowding him and crowding him, and finally he turned to the people and he ministered to them even though he was tired. He gave of himself. He gave of himself. He was going at one point. He was going somewhere, and 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 J. Iris, the 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 uh, the priest, came to him and said, "My my daughter is sick, and she's about to die." And he says, "I'll go and heal her." And he turns, and his compassion turned him towards J. Iris's house. Well, while he was doing that, the woman with the issue of blood was crawling towards him at the same time and touched the hem of his garment. He stops and says, "Who touched me?" Right. So so even in all of that, he was giving of himself. The Bible said when the lady touched the hem of his garment, that Jesus felt virtue come out of him. And he turned and said, who touched me? Right. And so even then he was giving of himself the teaching of the parables. He was giving of himself. That all-day Bible study that we talked about, you know, the, 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 where he did the feeding of the, of the 5,000, 15,000, 20,000 people. Taught a Bible study all day. An all-day Bible study. He taught all day. He gave of himself. And then even after that, he fed everybody too. <laughs> what? You're going to preach all day and then feed the folks gave of himself feel me so so this is the model this is the flavor of love that we give our, of ourselves to people not doing it to get something in return but just to give them that's the love that the world needs to see between believers amen uh the message translation says husbands go all out in your love for your wives Exactly as Christ did for the church. Check it. A love marked by giving, not getting. This is the model. The way we love, we love with the emphasis on giving and not getting. We love with the emphasis on giving and not getting. My One of my nephews uh, last fall, his girlfriend... Uh, threw him a surprise 30th birthday party in New Jersey. And she invited, you know, the family to come. And so I'm in Los Angeles. One of my brothers is in Maryland. One of my brothers is in Atlanta. One of my brothers is in North Carolina. So we're all over the place. But guess what? All of us made it. And one of my brothers was in Bermuda, left Bermuda. He and his wife came back, flew into Philadelphia, and drove in. And we were all there to surprise my nephew. Why did we do that? So my nephew could say how great his uncles are? No. We were giving something to our nephew. We Our time, our money. Your boy flew across the country to be there. Right? And I'm not trying to, you know, put us up on a pedestal or anything. It's just the fact of this is what love looks like. It's a love marked by giving and not getting. All right. All right. 
Now, here's the cool thing about love. Love powers our faith. Uh, I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. I may have to do a part 2 on this one too. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Um, love is the thing that powers our faith. It powers our faith. It's the engine that makes our faith run. Right? Galatians 5 verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But faith working through love. The voice trans, uh, translation says, In Jesus the anointed, whether you are circumcised or not, makes no difference. What makes a difference is faith energized by love. So it's our love for people that is the thing that energizes our faith. And once our faith is energized, now we can do all the things that faith ha has designed for us to do. All right. All right. All right. All right. You know what? I'm going to jump down to, I was going to look at uh, loving the neighbors. You know, the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. And there was a, uh, a lawyer who spoke to Jesus. And loving your neighbor, uh, I'm just going I'm, I'm to do the Cliff Notes version of that. Of this. How about that? Um, in Leviticus, it talks about you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So loving your neighbor as yourself was part of the Mosaic law. Well, in Luke chapter 10, there was a lawyer who came to Jesus and he said, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, you know, what is, what does it say in the law? And, and the, the lawyer said, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do this and you will live. But now the lawyer wants to take it to the next step. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? And to answer that question, Jesus gave him the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? And we know the parable. A guy got robbed uh, on his way to Jericho from Jerusalem on that road. And a priest walked by him. A Levite walked by him. And then a Samaritan got him put him on his horse, took him to a hotel, paid his fee, got a doctor to look at him. He said, I'm going away when I come back, whatever whatever else I need to pay, whatever the bill is, I'll take care of the bill when I come back, right? And and Jesus says, well, who is the neighbor between those three? And he said, the guy that showed mercy to the, to the guy. And see, the Samaritan was the least likely of the one to help this guy out because he was Jewish and Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, right? And so... Uh, he says the Samaritan was the one who was the neighbor. He said, there you go. So be like that guy. Be, be somebody that, you know, your neighbor is not necessarily who you think it would be. And uh, when we talk about neighbor, we're not talking about the person that lives down the street from us. We're just talking about the people that we interact with, people that we intersect with. Right. If they're in need, we show them love again, a, a love that's marked by giving and not receiving or taking. OK. OK. I want to get to this, the, what I call the love manual, which is first Corinthians 13. Um, I want to get to this and then we'll call it a day um, because when people say, well, I don't know how to love. You know, we've talked about some things so far in the podcast, but I think this really lays it out 
Uh, you can go biblically and look at each one of these characteristics of love and work on those characteristics, and that can be really a project for you. It's your love project, you know, right? to, in, to embody the characteristics of love that are found in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I want to read this commentary. It says, uh, Paul boils it down for the believers in Corinth. Religious people often spend their time practicing rituals, projecting dogma, and going through routines that might look like Christianity on the outside, but that lack the essential ingredient that brings all of it together, love. It is a loving God who birthed creation and now pursues a broken people in the most spectacular way. That same love must guide believers so faith doesn't appear to be meaningless noise. All right. So, uh, what do I want to do? I want to read this in three translations. I'm just going to read them and uh, you give it a listen and then uh, we're going to call it a day. All right. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. going to read verses 4 through 8. We're going to read it in the New King James translation. We're going to read it in the Message translation. And then we're going to read it, uh, ooh, the Living Bible and the Phillips translation. All right. We got four translations. All right. Let's get at it. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. All right, from the message translation. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. All right, from the Living Bible. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Finally, the Phillips translation. This love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It is not possessive. 
It is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Check this out. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. So here we go. Love never fails. Love never dies. Love goes on forever. And love is the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. It's the greatest weapon we have in the kingdom, family. Loving people from a place of giving and not taking. Understanding that love never fails. Understanding that love is greater than any spiritual gift. If you don't even know spiritual gifts, but you're an expert in loving people, you will have more impact in the lives of people than any spiritual gift can ever have. Just love people. Love people in your choir. Love people on the usher board. Usher board members, love your members. Pastors, love your congregants. Even when they get on your nerves. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your, your husbands. Parents, love your children. Brothers, love your brothers. Sisters, love your sisters. Mamas, love your mama. Come on, people. We can do this with the help of the Lord. We can do this. And when we can do this on a large scale, we will turn this world right side up. Because right now it's upside down. But if we can engage in this thing called love, if we can take on the challenge of loving people no matter where they are, because that's how God loved us. He loved us no matter where we were. If we can love people like that, we will have an impact in this world that the world has ever never seen before. Or as the scripture says, we will make a mark in this world that cannot be erased. I got no more time. I'm out. I'm done. I love y'all. I'll see you next time <laughs> on the Word Experience Podcast where we experience the Word in a fresh new way. God bless. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and that what you heard will start you on a journey of change and transformation. If you'd like to communicate with Cliff with a question or a comment, you can do so via email at clifftalk 63 at gmail.com. That's clifftalks, the number 63, at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Word Experience.